Internet, congratulations. Welcome to 2022. I hope everybody had a fantastic Christmas and New Year's. Cato and I definitely had a great Christmas and New Year's, and we are ready to cannonball into 2022 with you guys right now. So let's dive into the business side of the house before we move on to our first guest of 2022. This next episode of the podcast has been brought to you by me, ODG USA. I've been told by my friends that I need to promote my companies more on my podcast. I hate doing it, but we're going to do it. So what is ODG USA? What is Orion Design Group? We're a design firm and we like to come up with design strategies and solutions for product to help increase lethality and survivability for the military, law enforcement, and responsible armed citizen community by providing hard and soft good solutions for you guys. So our recent product that we just kicked out was the Onset. It's our first kind of foray into hard goods, and it's a modular defense illuminator, for lack of a better term, which you can put on a weapon or you can put in your pocket. So you should go check it out. In addition to that, we have some cool merch coming down the line. We've got some beanies. We've got some hats. We've got some cool sweatshirts, stickers. We've got Jonathan over at Grizzly River Artworks hooking us up with some sick art. So we're going to have that all rolling here very soon, probably relatively quickly after shot a week after we get through SHOT Show. So go check us out at odgusa.co.co, not to be confused with .com. Okay, well, that wraps up business stuff. We'll go ahead and dive into our next, our next guest and our first guest of 2022, who is a friend of mine who we will call Dr. Chasington Farnsworth. Why do I call him Dr. Chasington Farnsworth? Well, because he is a doctor in all things female behavior. And you guys will understand a lot more of that as soon as we get into the podcast. So without further delay, let's fucking G-O. Yeah, this is not my preferred method, as you know, as we've discussed many times for yeah, recording podcasts. Like we're having to do this via Zoom. Poor Cato is going to have to like adjust the audio. He's going to spend some extra time editing on this. He's not going to like doing that, but it's just what we're, we got to do right now because you're long overdue for podcasts and we have missed a couple yeah. of opportunities because of life shit happening where we were right. in proximity. But I, I generally like to do, I prefer to do podcasts in person because you just get better chemistry, you get better dynamics. The conversation yeah. feels better. Um but sometimes plus you can do drugs together, which is also yeah, a huge benefit. Just, that's a definitely a, a, a huge plus. You can't, use, yeah, you can't do, you can't do any of that over with on, on zoom. So there's that. So anyway, yeah. here we so, are. Long I'm sorry for the work Cato, but you're welcome for the laughs and the boners. He said, you're welcome for the laughs and boners. We have Cato. Cato is, <laughs> he's touring smartly in the background right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, are, this podcast is filmed before a live studio audience. It boom. just happens to be one dude. <laughs> and <laughs> he's not only the client, he's also the president. He's the producer. So it's true. The, it's uh, true. Yeah, so you are the first guest going into 22. How do you feel about that? I feel, uh, I feel honored unless like the world just happens to end. At this point, I'm kind of like, bring it on. You know what I mean? But who gives a fuck if it does? Because you know what? Yeah. I'm prepared Cato and I are very well prepared for the world to end. And, you know, oh, yeah. kind of been 
we were talking about this today with the whole laughing about how Omicron has been branded as like the bitch variant of fucking COVID. <laughs> like we were hoping like Omicron sending like a fucking Decepticon from the Transformers was going to sweep in and cause a fucking mutation that was going to create a fucking 30% mortality rate and kill off all the fucking dipshits. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great name. Pussy. Ad. I mean, the whole thing's a pussy ass virus, but right. great name, but the weakest of all the, the variants, it seems. So, yeah, I fucking think it's so awesome that people are just finally starting to like get super fed up with all of this fucking bullshit. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Like, especially me, like I am, I'm fucking, I'm over it. Like almost to the point where I punched somebody in the teeth recently. Yeah. So, like I, I, and then what's funny is like you get on social media and you like Bill Maher just did this whole fucking rant on his show about how fucking stupid all of this is. And he made, he made me laugh because he was like, oh, uh, can we fucking pick one? Like either wear a mask or get a vax. But if I have a vax, I shouldn't have to wear a mask. It's the dumbest fucking thing on planet Earth. And he was just yeah. like, he had, I think some dude on his show that's like a dipshit. He's one of the fucking, you know, brainwashed idiots out there that fucking thinks that all of this is okay. And he was just shredding yeah. on his show, which yeah. I found, found hilarious. And then some Shep dude, the Shep guy, Shep Anderson, Shep, I don't know what his name is. Oh, yeah, name. yeah. Do you know who yeah. his name is? The Shep guy. No, from fucking, uh, he was an anchor on um, Fox News. And now Fox, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know what the fuck show he's on state. I don't know what network he got fired and went to, but he was like ranting and raving about it too on the air and was just like, I'm yeah. tired of talking about this. I'm tired of it being news. I'm tired of all the fucking nonsense around it. And I got to agree. Like, I, and I think it's funny when you see these big public forward-facing celebrities that are starting to now air their grievances because enough is enough yeah well i mean again everyone's got a a point a threshold that you can't really push them past and i think a lot of us are reaching that and and again it's the, the tragedy of it all is it's highly likely that in our lifetime we're going to see an actual super deadly pandemic and they've just cried wolf this entire thing to where no one's going to actually fucking pay any attention and it yeah. also illustrates one the the fallibility of science and two, like how disorganized and incapable a government organization is of actually handling a real emergency. Yeah. Like the most unrealistic aspect of like a zombie movie to me now is not the zombies. It's that we'd have like a unified governmental response. that was like even somewhat appropriate. <laughs> yeah. That made, that made any kind of sense whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then all, yeah, all kinds of news was hitting the wire today. So there was that. I watched that. I watched Bill Maher and Shep. I think Anderson, maybe. No, maybe I'm thinking Anderson Cooper. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Though. Yeah, Shep guy, the Shep guy. The Shep. Shepard Smith. Shepard Smith. Shepard Smith. There that you go. Fucker. That dude. He was like having a. He was he was having a meltdown about it today. And then yeah. one of my favorite people that I follow closely because he's fucking hilarious and I've always loved his work. Uh, fucking Russell Brand. Oh yeah. He was talking today. He unearthed some crazy shit with like. Australia, big surprise because of what's going on in Australia. But like they are trying to pass like super aggressive, like Patriot Act type shit where like the government doesn't need any warrants to like digitally spy on you. And I'm like, oh, that's a big shocker. They've been like going to people's house and arresting people for like what they posted on fucking Facebook and calling it incitement, oh, charging yeah, people with shit. And like 
contract tracing people to the point where like you got arrested, you get arrested if you go buy groceries and you're out of your house for a certain period of time that they deem too long. Now they're trying to have huge, disgusting overreach that, that basically warrantless, they want warrantless authorization to just digitally spy on whoever they want. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I feel like it's weird. I feel like COVID unlocked this weird thing with certain countries to where it is just, it's like bubbling up the socialistic, like totalitarian fucking Nazi regimes that were like underneath the surface, you know, like it's a resurgence of like Nazi-esque type fucking behavior. Uh, I would completely agree with you. Absolutely. And I'm really disgusted that it was like Australia because Australian people are amazing. They're great. They're fucking hilarious. Like I got to operate with Australians in Afghanistan and they were, they were my favorite fucking crew of dudes because they were, you want to talk about some fucking, well, first of all, phenomenal operators, but just also dudes that were like hilarious and just a riot to be around, even in really shitty situations with bullets flying past your head, they're cracking jokes. So like, yeah, just amazing dudes. And so I've always had a thing for Australia. I've been to Australia on the, on the Northern coast up in Darwin once upon a time during my, you know, active duty time, we stopped in there and like, I love, I, and you know, Darwin's a shitty place. You know, I told, I would tell the, I tell the guys in Afghanistan, well, I've been to Darwin and they just start laughing. They're like, oh, <laughs> fuck's sake, mate. You haven't even been to the good pop, you know, like, <laughs> fucking they're, they're hilarious. And yeah. I'm super, super disappointed to see the turn that they've taken for like all of the shit that's going on in their country with their like super crazy totalitarian responses to shit. Yeah. And and I don't know enough about the intricacies of Australian politics, but I got to say, I was a little surprised that of all the Western countries, that was the one that turned so authoritarian so quickly. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're fucking convicts on a prison Island. I thought of any they were going to be the ones that acted like Sweden. I thought they were going to be more fucking avant-garde and more fuck you than we were about. Right. Yeah. I thought they were going to be like, piss off, you know, like, fuck, we don't care. Um, Like Sweden did. As it turns out, the Swedish, the Vikings in Sweden fucking were like leading the way, leading the charge. Yeah. I would have never guessed in a million years that they would be the ones that were like, yeah, this is stupid. We're not doing any of this fucking stupid shit. Same with me, man. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's such a trip. It's crazy, man. It's unfortunate. And you, you have to wonder how much uh, an armed society has to play into that. Because I don't think the United States government would uh, try and do that at least so fast, given our propensity for violence. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So Cato just, he turned me on to this documentary last night that we watched called winter on fire i think (laughs) but he he turned me on i'm pretty sure it's called winter on fire and it's about the kind of the civil revolt that happened in ukraine back in 2014 when their fucking president who was a fucking putin putin puppet refused to fucking sign the European European Union agreement so that they could merge into the European Union. And instead he was like giving Putin hand jobs, you know, <laughs> he was hardcore on the Putin dick. Sounds like it. And so the people of Ukraine rose up and like occupied Maidan Square, which is in the middle of their 
in the middle of Kiev in their capital. I'm pretty sure Kiev is the capital city. They occupied this square and they did it for 91 days. They protested through the fucking winter. And it was so inspiring and so amazing to see those people come together like they did to fight tyrannical fucking bullshit, you know? And I mean, as an American to watch, you know, knowing our history and what we did to become, a, you know, a free country and watching, watching what they were doing and how they were doing it. Like, and they, they peacefully protested for 91 days without getting, you know, any type of, you know, without, you know, they weren't, they weren't looting. They weren't burning anything down until like shit started getting, basically what happened is the, um, the Burkut, which, which was the uh, presidential police, I think, or the secret police of Ukraine, they came out and just, these people were peacefully protesting, doing nothing wrong. And they fucking beat these people down with batons and like tear gas the shit out of them while they were just like, not doing anything violent, just completely yeah. peaceful protesting. And that's what shifted the tide right there. And then it became a thing where they fucking organized and they set up defensive perimeters and they started training and they started, you know, a bunch of military, like retired military dudes came in and started teaching them how to, you know, organize and defeat riot tactics and like, you know, do all that stuff. And that's, that's where it's escalated. But everything that they did was their, their forward face was always peaceful protesting. Like when they'd march someplace, they'd march together you know, they were very unified and it was just, it, the whole thing was super inspiring. And so then it just got to the point where it unraveled, where they were just getting brutalized by these police yeah, and just getting fucked up. And then pretty soon it got to the point where, you know, this went on for like 91 days during the winter time. And it got to the point where the police got frustrated because they couldn't fucking break the will of these people because they'd unified so hard behind this cause that they fucking got the bullets out and started killing people. And I saw some of the most courageous things that I've seen in a documentary where these Ukrainian people were like charging, you know, up the uh, charging up this hill into this park to rescue people that had been shot by snipers, completely unarmed, Jeez. completely like these guys were completely unarmed and they were told to move back. And they were like, no, we came here to die freedom and they're like freedom is more important than my life and they would like charge into ak fire to get wounded people or dead bodies of their fellow protesters and pull them back and it was just super inspiring and it was one of the fucking things it was one of the coolest documentaries well done documentaries i've ever seen and i looked over at cato and i was like wow too bad americans don't have that type of resolve anymore too bad we can't unify in a positive way like that anymore and cato said something that was very profound. And he said, because any government that watches that and knows what a threat unified people are, will try their hardest to divide us and keep us divided. And that yeah. kind of stuck with me for the rest of the night. And then like today, I like did a lot of thinking about that. And I'm like, fucking A, if he isn't right about that, you know, like they, it, you know, to, to bring it back full circle to what's going on in our country, if you look at like how they've, you know, they're using social media as a tool to like censor people and to control the narrative and to keep people divided and to keep stoking the fucking the racist flames to like keep you know the racist narrative going and just all the things that has been that have been happening this last few years it's very you know 
It's disturbing, but it's also clearly a fucking tactic in a playbook that they're following for obvious reasons. Well, yeah, and it's it's been extraordinarily effective too. I mean, that's the scariest part. And that's why I think it's really important to take a step back and, and understand that, you know, this is all effective manipulation of the population. And if we continue to try and battle left versus right or progressives versus conservatives or however the fuck you want to uh, you know, frame it, we're missing the entire point of this whole thing, which is we should be a unified front as Americans against a force that's trying to manipulate and control us. But unfortunately, the divide in this country has gotten to the point where it's really going to be difficult to, to go back from that and convince people otherwise, because they're so predisposed to look at everything from a right-left dichotomy, you know? You know, and the, the interesting to me is that, uh, you know, because I've got friends on either side and I, I'm, I am a registered independent. I don't really look at myself as one or the other, but there's, it, it's, it's, it's almost impressive how if you look at, you know, the right's view of the left, they basically look at the entire left as the most extreme 5%, you right. know, like the full on like transgender, LGBTQT communist leaning Marxist, you know, and, and the same is true for the left to the right. They look at, you know, the most extreme 5% is like a, you know, Trump simping militia that's super racist and super backwards and super stuck in their ways. When the reality is, and this is coming from someone who's talked to legitimately a hundred thousand Americans is easily 90% of the country really on a day-to-day basis acts the same, feels the same, are logical, um, you know, really want what's best for the country. Um, they just have different interpretations on how that works. I mean, there's certainly way more we have in common than there is in, in the differences, right? But the media has done such a great job at amplifying the one or two issues that, you know, there, there is disagreement on and use that as a wedge to drive, you know, us against each other effectively. And then, of course, like you're saying, we missed the boat here because we're too focused on interfighting when we're totally missing the actual conflict, which is us versus the powers that be that would want to do that in the first place. And that really worries me that, that it's so effective and that we're still, for the most part, missing what is clearly a, a very scary agenda against the people. Yeah, no, it is super scary. And you're, you're right on all accounts. I agree with you. Yeah, I hate the right versus left shit. I've said it a million times, but I, I felt like as of late because of the narratives and then because of the things and because of the what I'm seeing our country drift towards in terms of like what's going on with our educational system and these crackpot, you know, teachers that are indoctrinating our, you know, our kids into socialist, you know, Marxist ideologies and watching how that is proliferating. And I think Tulsi Gabbard is our best example of, you know, what what Democrats to me used to be. Like the Democratic Party of old, you know, the biggest things that we used to, you know, disagree on was, you know, the two big ticket items were abortion and, you know, clean energy, environmentalism. Those are the things that like the right and left used to clash on on a regular basis. And that was, those were the two big hot ticket items. And other than that, like, Democrats and conservatives weren't too many shades of gray apart and on, on, you know, their common beliefs for what, 
you know, is America and what's best for America and, you know, following, making sure the constitution was always a, you know, in the forefront of, of leadership and governance in America. And you don't see that anymore. And what this kind of reminds me of, to be honest with you, is like thinking back to this documentary that we watched, one of the tactics that the government employed during this, during these protests was they, the secret police, the Berkut, like went in and they, they recruited thugs out of the jail to go out on the streets and do super violent things to the protesters. What, what was that group called? The Takushki? I'm totally fucking this up. If you're from, yeah, if you're from the Ukraine and you want to like correct my vernacular, please feel free to email me at info or DM me and be like, you stupid fuck, you're completely, (laughs) but it was like, I think it was like Takushki or Tuyushki or something like that is what they called them. And they were recruited. They were pulled out of the jails by the police and they were these hyper violent thugs and they were weaponized to go out and do the things that the police, that way the police couldn't bear the brunt or, you know, take blame for what the, this group that they were supporting was doing, because these guys went out and like, they beat protesters literally to death. So that was the other thing they were doing is they were putting, they were having these thugs dress like protesters and go out. And then like during the, you know, they were, they were instigators to like where, when the protesters were marching, these paid thugs that had integrated into the ranks of the protesters would come up that were dressed like protesters and they would like throw bricks at the police or they would hit a police officer with like a length of chain or whatever. And then that would give provocation for the police to come unglued and then go in and like fuck up the protesters. And they were paying them like five bucks a day or rubles or whatever the fuck they use in Ukraine. But that was a tactic they were employing. And so when I see shit like that, you know, because... You know, you um, and I are big proponents of like history. Right. And, you know, you crack me up because like we both that movie that we both love fucking Fury where, you know, uh, Brad Pitt's always like history is violent. Like, you know, ideals are peaceful. History is violent. It's a total it's a complete it's completely true. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you look at the correlation of like what they were doing in this situation and then how Antifa and BLM were weaponized by the left to right. go in and do what they were doing during their protesting. Like it's very, there's a, there's a, there's a parallel there that can't be ignored. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, you can look back at a lot of different historical parallels. I mean, the rise of the Nazi party, a lot of that, the Reichstag fire, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of evidence that a government is willing to certainly sacrifice their own people's lives in pursuit of additional power, especially if there's another group that's that's challenging them. Um, I, I, yeah, it, it's unfortunate that we've, as a society, come to the point where we've unnecessarily given more confidence to the government and the morality when they really have not earned it. Just because they haven't done something like that that's in your face super recently, and we can argue about all sorts of different conspiracies here, but just in a, in a general sense, does not mean that they're still not capable of it, certainly. We're, we're all just disposable at the end of the day in pursuit of whatever the state's goals are. And I think it's really important to look at everything that goes on through that lens, You know, assume that the government can and will be malicious in its own best interests. Correct. And I think that, again, is something that I think more people are starting to wake up to. Um, and that's, you know, might be a silver lining of what is going on with COVID restrictions and shutdowns and 
I mean, you need not look farther than, you know, during the shutdowns, what stores were allowed to remain open and which stores were forced to close. Right. Yeah. All small small businesses had to close down and all, all big businesses got to stay, got to stay open and posted record setting profit margins. Correct. Yep. And, you know, obviously the stock market did fantastic because of that, because mom and pops aren't publicly traded. But I mean, if if you look at it from the simple standpoint of, okay, they're doing this to protect the population from a virus, but why would you allow the largest (laughs) stores that can pack the most people in to stay open when there are, are plenty of mom and pop businesses that would fundamentally be significantly less risk? But it just comes down to money, right? It comes down to money and power. And it's pretty, pretty obvious to see. And I think that's, that's the theme that I think the government still wants to pretend doesn't exist and doesn't acknowledge. And that's, you know, among many other things, why the population as a whole is fundamentally losing a significant amount of trust. And I think that's what scares me the most is what is the government thinking about or capable of doing to regain that trust? And at this point, it would have to be something pretty extreme. Um, scary. Yeah. Yeah. These are definitely scary times, especially like when I see how things are proliferating. And what's funny to me is like at the, at the very outset of this pandemic, you know, people that had the foresight to like do some digging and peel back some layers on the onion and read the initial like medical, you know, reports and studies that were coming about this thing, you know, that I you know, I, I looked into some of this stuff and it's why I've had a pretty staunch position on it the whole time since the beginning is the proof is all around you right in front of your face. Right. Like we are not at a 10%. We're not at a fucking 5%. We're not at a 5%. We're not at a 10%. We're not at a 30 or 40% fucking mortality rate on this virus. Right. And the level of insanity and the level of hysteria that this is generated is completely not congruent to the reality of what this actually is. And when I've seen, you know, the overreach, the governmental overreach that has occurred and still continues to occur, like somebody, and I don't know the, I'm going to have to like, I I have a friend that's, uh, that works in my, he's an NYPD officer. I'm going to have to reach out to him, but somebody today just sent me a video allegedly there's this dad that's just trying to feed his kids in Burger King and he doesn't have a vaccination card and the police come in and fucking arrest him. And I was mortified. I was completely horrified to see this, you know, happen and to watch this go down. And I need to call him and like get their inside scoop and find out what real happened, you know, because, you know, the whole twisting of narratives and using, you know, weaponizing social media for information operation purposes. It's a two-way street. The right does it, the left does it. And so yeah. I want to, what I want to find out is like, Hey, was this guy legitimately arrested because he was in Burger King of all fucking places trying to feed his kids and didn't have a vaccination card and they arrested him for it? Or did he have a warrant and the right is just using it for propaganda? Correct. And that's the, that's the lens that we should be looking at everything through. And I, and I think right. we've talked about this, but I mean, it's easy to, you know, research and try and find a counterpoint to something that you don't agree with. But at this point, I think it's equally as important, if not more so, to be just that skeptical of things that you do agree with. Because if, if you know, it just feeds into your narrative and we automatically accept, accept it and it's just as much of a lie as everything else. You know, we're not doing 
the problem any good by lying to ourselves because it feels right. And this goes for either side, right? I mean, both sides are going to be guilty of this. Um, you know, just because it fits within the narrative, it's, you know, most accepted by your, your perspective or your social class or your group or whatever it is. We have to be skeptical of everything. And I think that absolutely applies for things that we agree the most, most with. Because yeah. those are the things that just bypass all of those mental checks that you would have for something that you don't agree with or something you're skeptical of. And that's scary. You know, I mean, our minds are just as lazy as our body. You have to exercise both. And so it's, it's important to do oppositional research on your own positions. Yes. You know, I've especially done. something like with, with science. I mean, to be fair to science, um, you know, I'm not an anti-science person, not even an anti-vax person. Um, I'm certainly anti-mandate. I think that's, you know, certainly pushing the line of, of body autonomy, you know, but ultimately at the end of the day, science is something that changes and develops over time. However, the narrative pushed by, for example, the CDC is, no, no, we're infallible and you should listen to everything that we say. But then obviously these, you know, facts, if you want to call them that, change and evolve and adapt. Okay, well, that's, that's okay. I'll understand that if you present them as something that's dynamic versus something that's, you know, holds some sort of informational omnipotence. It doesn't work that way. And I think the problem is that a lot of these governmental organizations in an effort to be the last word or be very controlling, don't trust the individual to make their own decision. So they're gonna be treat us like children, ultimately at the end of the day, when that's the first line of, of defense that gets broken down as soon as you start researching things, as soon as you start looking into things, et cetera, which we're all capable of now. The internet's great because it's democratized information, but now the, I'm sure that's got to frustrate people in the government if you're trying to run a control campaign, if everyone has the ability to immediately fact check what you're saying, that certainly changes the power, power dynamics significantly. And it's something we definitely pay attention to. It's why a lot of the left has like, they have started this, these fact-checking organizations like factcheckers.org and whatever. And, right. you know, because on, on the surface level, like we're, you know, most Americans from what I can tell are terrible about questioning things. They just, they see something and they're like, oh, that must be true. So like when yeah. they see something that's called factchecker.org, is reporting on something and calling it, you know, we oh we fact checked this and it's it was be found it was found to be incorrect. People are just automatically like, oh, well that was incorrect. When the fact of the matter is, it wasn't incorrect, and that's a that's a, a political slanted organization that is going to support or de demonize, you know, the the narrative or the the point that's been put out in the media. Uh, whatever it may be, whatever it suits, whatever, however it suits them, they will either say it's a myth or they will, you know, they will confirm it as fact based on, you know, their political persuasions. And you've right. seen a lot of that already, ha Absolutely. already happening. You know, I've seen, I've, I've, I've seen it on Instagram where people, you've got these, you know, renowned, world renowned doctors that are putting out information and you look down on Instagram and it, you know, it's got the whole, the little warnings, you know, the Instagram fucking brainwashing warnings where they're like this information may not be true or this information was fact-tracked and found not to be true you know and it's funny because it's anything that has to do with anything that's not the vaccine so like anything right. you know that's related to um you know the uh ivermectin or the 
you know, the, the hydroxychloroquine or right, right. You know, the, uh, the antibodies that they use, um, you know, anything that's related to that, they will immediately be like, Oh, this is, this was fact-checked immediately and found to be untrue. And then you like do some digging and you're like, Oh, I'm going to check this out myself. And you do some background checking and dig into it. And it's like, no, that doctor is actually a world renowned expert in their field. They've, you know, have several peer reviewed articles. They, you know, have been published several times. They've been in their field for decades. Uh, they were considered subject matter experts in epidemiology or virology before uh, the pandemic broke out. And now all of a sudden they're being fucking completely tore down by, you know, X fact checking entity and being, you know, basically demonized and, you know, for lack of a better term, neutralized on yeah. social media. Yeah, you know, it was a couple of things that would really be interesting and we'll probably never know because we don't have access to, you know, Facebook's internal data. But I, I would almost guess that the, you know, like COVID-19 information center, those tags that automatically grow up, I, I would almost imagine those have the opposite effect of what they're intended to do. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I immediately, anytime I see those, I immediately roll my eyes. Yeah. Who, who's actually seeing that and going, oh, really? Let's click on it. You know, like, I, I mean, just the amount of click-throughs on that has got to be single digits, I would imagine. I yeah. really doubt that those are having any effect other than just making people more distrustful <laughs> at the end of the day. Right. And, and my, my, my thing that I want to, like, point out is, like, why the fuck is Instagram and Facebook even doing that? Like, let the public, you're a social media platform, like shut the fuck up and let the discourse happen between people and like, let the information flow happen. Like, why are you censoring people? Why are you creating these bullshit bogus, like fact-checking organizations? And why are you putting up all of these warnings and on all of these things uh, that are, you know, people are, are pushing around the platform? Like, why are you, why are you even involved in that? Like, that's not your fucking place to do that. My guess, and I'm in finance, so everything ties back to money, which ultimately is, I found to be pretty accurate. My guess is that it's, you know, two of my favorite words, plausible deniability. I think it's the shareholders are worried about these multi-trillion billion dollar companies being exposed to lawsuits. And so they're doing basically the bare minimum to potentially shield themselves in case there was some sort of false information that got out that was harmful or damaging to people that made it legally expose them to some sort of litigious action. That would be my best guess is that this ultimately comes down to money. It's an insurance policy. So if they do get sued, they can go, no, well, but we said to fact check. And we said that this may have been incorrect. Like we, you know, certainly don't support, you know, this information that, that, you know, is potentially harmful to X, Y, and Z group. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with goodwill. I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, ultimately anything but their share price at the end of the day. Mm. Is that super cynical? Yeah, it is. Because that's the way I live my life. And that's my perspective on everything. But that would be my best guess is if we were a fly on the wall when it came down to a board meeting with them and their decisions to not only implement, but to continue doing that. I think ultimately it, it really came down to just limiting their risk. Yeah, I, I wish James O'Keefe over at Project Veritas would get more people inside the Facebook, Instagram camp and expose some of this censorship and subversion of First Amendment rights and the information, the clear information operations that are taking place 
uh, you know, over there in terms of what Facebook and Instagram have been doing. It's pretty fucking disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, as we've discussed, I, I would not be surprised if, you know, 10 years from now, people look at social media like they look at cigarettes. It's a, it's a voluntary risk that you take, but the potential for damage is extraordinarily high, especially in hindsight. Well, I mean, people, um, people are sick of it. Like, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, JP Sears, you know, Awaken with JP, the dude, he's a comedian. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, he's hilarious. He's a great, yeah, great he's guy. Yeah, he's fucking hilarious. He, his satirical, you know, portrayal of the left in this situation has, like, has had me in stitches. Like, a, a lot of times when I've been having, like, a shitty day, he'll pop up in my feed and I'll watch his videos and they're fucking, they make me laugh and they put me in a better mood. And, like, he... yeah. He's hilarious. Well, he has started a new, he's helped found a new social media platform based on uh, Bitcoin uh, blockchain code. I, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Zion and Cato and I looked into it because this is like, it's actually good timing because Cato and I had a lengthy conversation about how we were going to shore up our, you know, digital marketing and communication strategy going into 22 and the changes that we're going to make. And I outlined some of them like on today's weapons free Wednesday that went out, like we, you know, I talked a little bit about it, you know, like what I want to do because, you know, Instagram and Facebook have grotesquely overstepped their boundaries in terms of privacy. And, you know, they are doing things that I find highly unethical. Um, and, you know, I, I covered some of those things and those went into effect on the 20th. So him and I have been like looking at new, you know, we're basically building a pace plan for how yeah. we're going to, go into uh, our strategy going into, you know, 22 with how we're going to interact with our customers and how we are going to, what are basically the future of our, our digital marketing uh, footprints going to look like. Yeah. And I think that's smart. You know, again, I, there's certainly nothing wrong with um, diversifying, you know, your, your access and uh, you know, how customers can reach you. The, the biggest problem that I've, face looking at the other platforms um because i you know obviously i've got a somewhat popular <laughs> instagram account but um it's just the platform itself its reach is usually obviously significantly stunted and just like the the software architecture and like the tools that are available are usually really poor and that makes it you know certainly a lot harder to facilitate um so but you know certainly if, if anything was even close if even if it was 50% of what you could do on an established platform, I think just from the perspective of, you know, not having to worry about censorship or being canceled or whatever, I think that would attract enough people because you need that inertia uh, of users to get the investments necessary to really improve the platform. So I'm, I'm hopeful always that something like that will pop up for sure. Yeah. So he's, he, they, they have started, they've got uh, the app is called Zion. And they've, they've started it. It just started. I just like, you know, just like everything else to include the fucking vaccine. I am not a, I'm not an early adopter. I'm a sit back and like, let's, let's check it out when it's like version three, four or 5.0 and get involved. Yeah. And, you know, that has bit me in the ass on a couple of occasions, mainly to do with investment strategy type stuff, but I, I'm interested in what they're doing, but I want to see how it plays out and grow, how it grows. Because I remember a time when Facebook started announcing how they were going to, you know, basically start partitioning people. And I think this was back in like 2015. It was when Facebook announced that they were going to start 
you know, basically partitioning people's reach to you're basically going to have to pay to play right? You know, type stuff. It's like when the whole boosting of posts came to life, you know, because up until then, you know, up until that point, you know, you had rel- the algorithm, I don't really think was a thing back then. And you had relative like good reach with all of your, you know, everyone that you have organically, you know, acquired as a follower, you had pretty good reach with. And nothing yeah. was getting, nothing was getting subverted or partitioned uh, right. to that point. And when they did, like people lost their minds and they're like, what is Facebook doing and what's going on and why? And, and we were during that time, we were, I think this was 15. We were relatively new on Instagram. We'd only been on Instagram for like a year at that point, I think. And right. uh, it was just a personal thing. Like I hadn't even, I hadn't even done anything with my company on Instagram. Like it was just, I just started waiting in the water of Instagram in 14. And in 15, when Facebook did all this shit, people came unglued and they were like, fuck this. We're not paying you to fucking reach our followers that we built organically. And these are our friends and this is our network. And like, who the fuck yeah. are you come in and try and charge us to have access to our friends and to our, our followers. And so Vero popped up and I don't know, mm-hmm. if, did you ever remember Vero? I, I remember it. I never used it though. Yeah. Yeah. So I jumped on it immediately and was an early adopter on that. And like, I have an account on Vero and I tried to get into it and use it, but it just had a lot of bugs in it. It was very clunky. It didn't work nearly as good as Facebook or Instagram. And, you know, it just, it just kind of fizzled and it kind of yeah. died on the vine. It's still around. Like I can still get into my Vero account. I know other people that are trying to like you know, in the wake of everything that's going on right now, they're trying to like circle people back around to get on back on Vero. And I should probably like do my due diligence and jump on there and kind of see where the platform is at. Cause it had, you know, I was literally like one of the first adopters of Vero. Like as soon that when I saw the first uh, post on it on Facebook, I jumped onto it immediately and set up an account. And it was just, there was so many bugs in it. And there was like a lot of latency in your posting and commenting and just, the platform was just clunky and it kind of sucked. So in yep. short, where it's at now, I don't know, cause I haven't logged onto it for a while. So I probably should check it out and see where it's at now in terms of viability for use as a, you know, as a, as a platform, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not excited about the direction Facebook and Instagram have gone in. Like, are we still going to use it? Yeah, absolutely. We're still going to use it, but it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be way more partitioned and way more secure so that I can get around the disgusting invasion of privacy that they're, they're conducting currently. Right. With their, yeah, and I, I, their, their end user agreement is, you know, their user agreement, they've fashioned it in a way that's like, it's completely disgusting. Like they're basically doing what we used to do to bad guys back when I <laughs> right. was chasing yeah. bad guys. Like we would fucking use their device to get into all of their files, look at all of their shit without them knowing it, like get into their other devices without them knowing it. Like we, there was a whole thing that we used to do back in the day, chasing bad guys. And I'm sure that they're still doing now. And fuck, I can't even imagine where the technology's at now because back in 2010, we could turn your cell phone on and like, listen to your conversation. Like if you powered your cell phone off, we could get into it and turn it on without you knowing that it was turned on and listen access your microphone and listen to your conversations with whoever you're talking to and do, you know, voice prints of people and like voice print analyze people. I mean, we, we used to fucking do so much of that type of, you know, intelligence collection that Instagram is doing the exact same thing. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They're using our device in a very aggressive manner to like not only access that device, but other devices that our phone is in proximity to. And they, they get access to everything. And I just, I, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not going to allow that to ha- like, I'm, I'm not, if, if Americans really like, I think if every American could sit down and watch like a five minute video on like what, first of all, get walked through what the po- new policies are. And then also like, see how that could potentially affect them. And like the invasion of privacy that that actually is, they'd be horrified. Everybody would fucking delete fucking Instagram off their phone probably in a week. Well, yeah, I think there's a couple things to note is one, you have to always remember. And for a lot of people listening, this is going to be probably pretty obvious, but um, you know, if you don't pay for a service that you use extraordinarily frequently, that's obviously got billions of dollars of infrastructure, uh, you're the product, not the customer. And it's important to always remember that. Correct. Um, You know, it's like the cow that lives in a nice field and gets to eat as much grass as they want. And they're not asked to do anything, but to just exist. Well, it's because you're going to slaughter ultimately. And it's the data, you know, that that they're after because that's so, so valuable. You know, if you look at the the credit reporting system and I'm going to draw a parallel here, so pay pay attention. And and I I promise I'll come back to it, but dude, you are trying to just get me all fucking wound up right now. Yeah, I am. You know, I know this is a soft, I hate the credit. (laughs) But go this ahead. is a touchy subject for you, but uh, before the Fair Credit Reporting Act, um, you couldn't see your credit report. Now, technically speaking, we won't get too far in the weeds. You still can't see your actual credit report, but you can get what is effectively like a, a parallel of it, right? A mock-up of it. So you get an idea of what's on there. There should be, and I'm hoping eventually there'll be some sort of kind of comparable legislation that allows you to see the data that these companies like Google, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, have on you. Because I think it would be startling, number one. And number two, um, you know, if, if this is going to have an impact on your life in terms of what your experience is like, the ads that you get, you know, other, you know, decisions like, you know, for example, I, you know, worked in the life insurance industry. Um, there was a lot of talk about looking at people's social media and big data profiles and means to determine what to price life insurance. So it's going to have, and it's continuing to have more and more real world consequences. And I think it's going to be important for us to have some more clarity and and transparency around things like that. Because right now, there's really no way to tell what that profile looks like. And it's disjointed throughout several different companies. But if people are going to make decisions about you as a human being, then you need to have access to it. So you can look at it, you can understand it, and you can fix errors. Secondly, when it comes to a new platform, like with everything, it's a, it's a trade-off of convenience versus security, right? You know, what the big data type of thing represents is a lot more convenience. Um, you know, things work like magic. It knows where you are. It knows where your, your house is. It's going to reroute you. It's going to do all sorts of things and feed you information that it finds pertinent to you. That is certainly something that's very convenient, but you're also giving up a ton of your security and control and privacy. So like the only way to really unplug from that completely now is to go super old school and get like a, you know, a flip phone or something like that. Right. So, you know, as, as long as you participate in this type of ecosystem, whether it's Apple or Android, you're as, as hard as you try, you're going to have to give up some of that privacy and security for the exchange of 
uh, of that convenience. And the bigger point here is if we end up trying to switch to a different platform, a competitor of Instagram, for example, you're going to have to tolerate a lot of shit. <laughs> you're going to have to tolerate buggy. You're going to have to tolerate low user bases. You're going to have to tolerate, you know, probably as uh, inferior platform and, and interface. But, you know, we have to collectively make that decision and, you know, be willing to make those sacrifices if any of those platforms is ever going to be successful because it's a winner take all economy right now. It's just like, you know, economies of scale. It's almost impossible for a new company to compete with Amazon because they've got this infrastructure to reduce prices as low as they possibly can go. So it's, again, it's like you have to make that decision. If I want to support the mom and pop shop, I'm going to have to probably pay more for the goods and services that I could get cheaper elsewhere. Well, if you want to support a new platform, you've got to be willing to make sacrifices in terms of its usability, its speed, its user base, et cetera. So I think it's just important because that's going to be the first thing people are complaining about is, well, there's not enough people on Zion. There's the platform isn't as good. Okay. Yeah. It initially, that's certainly going to be true, but if we ever have a chance of fixing it and making it better, then we've got to start sticking with it and actually using it. So we collectively need to find another platform if we're serious about this and, and really dedicate you know, our usage to that because that's the only way you're going to be able to compete. Because Unless an angel investor comes in with a trillion dollars and drops it on Zion, there's no way they're going to be able to compete with Instagram in terms of their end-to-end user experience effectively. Yeah, no, they've got way too big of a head start and they've got way yeah. too much data on people and they know how people interact with their platform and with the device. And so they know how to exploit that. And it's a, whoever wants to come in that game has their work cut out for them. I think really realistically, the best contender would be if signal came up with a social media aspect of their, of their app, because they're an encrypted app. They've got great privacy. They've got great, you know, they've got some really cool features and I use their, I use that app quite a bit for a lot of communications. And so, and I have been for a really long time and um, I've been on signal, I don't know, like two or three years now, I think, and uh, maybe longer, but uh, they, you know, all my friends that were spooks were like, Hey, you should do, if you want to talk, we need to get on this. And so I was like, okay, cool. And they've got really, they've got really great encryption on it. And I think for privacy, and I think that if people had like that app, like a lot of people use it for like group text, group text, group, you know, group messages and um, phone calls and video chats that are all encrypted and secure. And so if they added a social component of that, I think that that'd be, you know, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That'd be an easy, you know, because it's already proliferated so much, I think it would be an easy crossover to make, but like to come straight into the game with a new platform. Like I'm a, I learned my lesson with Vero. And so I, you know, like I said, I have to revisit that and I'm going to, but you know, JP, as much as I love that dude, he's got his work cut out for him, especially when they're, they're, they're trying to blaze the, they're trying to blaze a trail with, you know, basically it's a new form of blockchain code that they're using to you know, make sure all this stuff stays secure. And so what it is, is like you sign up on Zion and you get what's called a node mm-hmm. and your node is your own little individual space that you're paying for. And then I think you can get up to 60,000 users on one node before you have to then like buy in and get another node. Um, mm-hmm. but that node is completely secure and there's no, you know, there's no censorship on it. There's no, there's no nothing. So like you can, right. 
you can basically do what you need to do over there. So for, yeah. for those of us that, you know, love America and apple pie and guns, mainly guns. Yeah. Instagram and Facebook hate America and they hate guns in the second amendment. So we have to, you know, for those of us that love the firearms, love our firearms and are, you know, proponents of the second amendment, we have to try and find, uh, for lack of a better term, our safe space. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not the fuck on Instagram or Facebook. So hats off to JP for, for doing what he's doing because nobody else has, I've been asking this question for years. I mean, one of the first podcasts that I did uh, was with my friend Alan Benedict, who's a he's a fucking nerd of all nerds, and he <laughs> he he's been in the game for a long time, and and to the point where he had his own forum, you know, he was doing his own forum off of his own server for a long time, and then you know because of what's been happening with social media and the degradation of like his reach and his ability to like touch his customers, he's gravitating back towards like getting his own server and his own, you know, putting up his own forum that's attached to his website so that he can go back to, you know, moderating that without, you know, any type of interference with his customers. And, you know, that's essentially what JP is doing with this new blockchain code and these nodes is, you know, you've kind of got your own little, for lack of a better term, your own little server and you secure server and you that has, you know, so many gigs of cloud space and you're, you're going to be able to use that for whatever you want to reach your, reach your follower base. So we're going to take a look at it because we're in the middle of like trying to build this pace plan out and I'm going to explore things like that. But yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Like they, it's a fucking, it's a hard road to hoe, uh, so to speak for anybody that's new coming into the game and trying to compete toe to toe with Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I definitely think that the other piece of that too is, you know, your privacy, anonymity, your security, that's going to end up being like a commodity in of itself. And the sooner that you probably realize that and try and take charge of that, the better. <laughs> Ultimately, you know, like I'm a person that doesn't have a Facebook, which for a lot of people is completely unheard of, but it's always kind of freaked me out a little bit. And, and that's the reason why, you know, the vast majority of my social media presence is anonymous for a lot of different reasons. But I just, that's not something I'm really willing to give up. And that seems like the kind of the last bastion, the last domain that is trying to be eliminated is, is you know, your true autonomy and privacy. Um, and it's, that's something that I've been prepared for and expecting a long time. But yeah, it's, you know, the other weird thing about Instagram is like what gets censored and what doesn't. I mean, there are plenty of videos of people dying horrific ways, but if you show a nipple, your account's gone. Like, yeah. Well, I've even seen lots of, lots of accounts with like chicks, you know, that are, you know, hanging it all out there and, you know, they're like topless twerking in thongs and that's completely okay. But if I show a picture of uh, an AR-15 forend with like a new laser on it, then I fucking get basically that, that gets pulled, that post gets pulled and I get a warning of like, Hey, your account's about to get deleted because you're violating our community guidelines. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. So like, it's not even a picture of a whole weapon. It's just a picture of like essentially the barrel and focused in a macro shot of this laser to talk about the buttonology and the switchology of this laser. And now I'm getting my post pulled and getting threatened with like getting deleted and banned because I showed this like little box. Meanwhile, you're right. There's like ISIS like beheading fucking people on on there and then there's like half naked chicks 
you know, driving people to their OnlyFans page, which I'm not a hater. Like you go girls. Absolutely. Yeah. You go. That doesn't, that doesn't offend me. I'm just saying like, maybe make your fucking community guidelines congruent because they're not, they're, they're very clearly politically driven. Yeah. Or financially driven in case of what advertisers will tolerate. And I think that obviously has a lot to do with it too, unfortunately, but, but yeah, Hey, OnlyFans girls, we're, we're all for you. We're all for you. Yes, you guys are all entrepreneurs. And, you know, you and I know several talented ladies that are fucking crushing it in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cr- absolutely crushing it in that game. And I'm now, like, to do them. we pay for their nudes? Of course not. Because no. we're gentlemen and we have a code when it comes yeah. to that. I think this yeah. is a great stepping off point now to maybe get into ICOM. Yes, International Council of Men. Yeah, the International Council of Men. It's why, you know, it's the main reason why you're here to talk about ICOM. Yes, absolutely. So back, the us biggest, into, back us into what it is and what, what, what it's going to be and what it's going to look like. Yeah, so the, the, the biggest thing I, I would like to kind of point out about this organization is, is it's not about men being better or more capable than a woman. Because that's the first thing I think people are going to want to attack about it. It's really about celebrating the differences between men and women because there certainly are biologically, socially, you know, or, or otherwise. And I think it's, it's good to be able to look at those differences, understand them, and have a place where you can feel like you're not going to be attacked for doing so. That you yes. can... A safe space for what has been termed t- toxic masculinity. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. It's okay for dudes to be dudes in this, in, on this page and in this space. Absolutely. You know, we, we, um, we want to celebrate women just as we want to celebrate men ultimately at the end of the day, but society is doing ultimately a great job of (laughs) highlighting what women do and, you know, what they bring to the table. And I think, you know, the feminist movement, like all pendulums might have swung a little bit too far at the end of the day in doing that. Um, I think it, we've, we've kind of swung past even at this point in, in equality. Um, but there really is no kind of competing thought experiment, if you will, for men. And men do a lot. There is you know, certainly a lot to celebrate about men's accomplishments. Obviously, we're not perfect. That's not at all what we're trying to say. But we want to you know, provide a, a good, healthy example of what masculinity is, what a man is. You know, what's okay, what's not okay, what toxic masculinity looks like to us, which is really weakness, you know, disguises masculinity um, and that escapes in unhealthy ways, you know, violence against women, for example. Um, you know, so it's, it's ultimately about being a healthy person, man and woman, but having a place to go to discuss these things, to get, you know, a, a balanced kind of viewpoint. And being able to calibrate with other men as to what are, you know, the correct answers of how to approach a lot of these societal issues that we've, you know, face on a day-to-day basis in a ever-changing, very progressive society like we have today. Um, and then also have some fun along the way. Yeah. Celebrate things that are uh, masculine in nature. Weapons, yeah. vehicles, yeah. speed, sex, love. Yeah. Um, you know, free expression, all those things, whiskey, cigars, you know, yes. all, the things, all the things of the dude universe. 
absolutely. And, and we're just not going to be shunned for celebrating those things at the end of the day. And we invite everybody to come and be a part of this discussion. Ultimately, we definitely want female voices. Absolutely. Those are just as important as male voices at the end of the day. Yeah. It, what's funny is I've like actually told a few female cohorts or acquaintances that I have about this, you know, about ICOM and about the positioning of this. And they thought it was great. And their words were, oh, great. We're going to, we're going to celebrate masculinity instead of false masculinity, which is, you know, what she, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? What's false masculinity? She's like, oh, these beta bitch fucking men that are fucking super insecure uh, about their manhood. And so they fucking flex their little bullshit fucking agenda. And it's not, you know, it's very unattractive and it's not masculine in any way, shape or form. They're actually the, they're actually their own worst in, enemy. And they're the antithesis of masculine because they're so fucking insecure. Correct. Yep, absolutely. And, and I think it's, again, that's an important piece. That came out of a woman's mouth. Oh yeah. yeah. I, and I think a lot of women feel that way too. Yeah. I, I think they just don't have a, a good outlet to express that. And again, that's, that's why a lot of this is, is, a, is about calibrating between sexes, different cultures, and different people about what is masculinity? What does that look like? What's the healthiest form and expression of that? And being able to you know, talk to other men and, and, and other women about that as well. Because a lot of these questions are so gray, especially given you know, society's position right now, that it's difficult to find a good answer and understand really what that looks like. You know? and, and I think that you know, tradition is a big part of that, but progress also is going to be an important piece of that as well. Um, but men are biologically, physically, socially different creatures, ultimately, at the end of the day. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I, you know, it, it, what is startling to me is that you know, if you looked at the left, the progressive movement, you know, 15 years ago plus, much of it was about celebrating the differences between people. Right. And for some reason, we've shifted to that being bad because differences might create some sort of hierarchy, socially or otherwise. And so now everyone needs to be homogenous. Um, well, I don't think it works that way. I don't think it's ever going to work that way. And I think it's foolish to try and get society or the world to bend around that concept when we can really just be able to look at those differences as advantages and experience and perspective, et cetera, uh, and be able to utilize those and, and capitalize them at the end of the day. So that's, that's the mission statement really at the end of the day is, is celebrate masculinity, calibrate with other men and women about what masculinity is, celebrate pieces of history for both men and women um, who contributed great things at the end of the day, be able to have good, safe outlets from a mental health perspective, you know, always have a support group because, you know, ultimately life's a war and you can't, you know, fight every battle on your own. Um, but then, you know, kind of just have fun along the way doing so and celebrating activities and things that are quote unquote manly at the end of the day. Right. And also to do it in a very satirical way, like, you know, like you and I have talked about this before where like, you know, you described icon icon as like being kind of like the fucking Chappelle show of, you know, the sexes where right. we can say vulgar things, you know, in, in that are, that are good natured and like, you know, I mean, I'm sure some people are going to get offended and to those people. I'd say push the subscribe button and fuck straight off. But yeah. um, you're, you're always free. And I tell everybody this, 
If you're offended, just go ahead and reach up and push that unfollow or unsubscribe button because you're right. not, you're not our type of people. Right. Um, so yeah, so it's going to be there, you know, we're going to be heavily satirical and you know what people might perceive us as, as vulgar at times because we're going to just tell shit how it is just straight how it is from a man's perspective. Like, I think it's a shitty dangerous time to be a fucking alpha male right now. It is absolutely like you get fucking the shit demonized out of you. Like, you know, I just had a, a, a situation occur where like, you know, someone was like, you know, talking about how, you know, how refreshing it is to run into men that are real men and that have confidence and that are real alpha males and that can balance like, you know, the, the good aspects of masculinity with, you know, being a, being patient, being a good listener, like not being overbearing, but being firm in your position, right. you know, and then you are that to them. And then they, they, they melt into a little puddle and can't, can't deal with it. So, but we'll, well, we, there's plenty of time for us to dive into <laughs> all of our stories that we have, but uh, yes. yeah, you like ladies, I'll just put this out there. You don't get to have your fucking cake and eat it too. Okay. Right. You don't get to fucking fly your little fucking, you know, feminist flag when it's fucking convenient for you. And then, and then, and then cry because you're fucking surrounded by beta bitch men. Like you guys are kind of the products of your own fucking environment at times. And so I feel like that's one of the things that we're going to capitalize on and highlight and talk about yeah. and probably talk a lot of shit about and make fun of is the women, the women out there that like to try and have their cake and eat it too. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, to that point about vulgarity, I mean, and that's, you know, again, my, my perspective on, on history, history is violent. Um, humanity is, is, we're violent creatures. Life reality is vulgar. It's gross. It's right. smelly. It's nasty. Um, it's sexy. It's exciting. It's scary. I mean, it's all these things. And, and the nuance there is really the important thing that we have to keep in mind. It takes mental effort for you to be able to hold multiple you know, concepts, competing thoughts in your head, but that's reality. That's how it works. Right. And that's also, you know, our perspective on masculinity is it's both hard and soft. It's both, you know, a very sexually aggressive, but it's also romantic. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's violent, but it's also gentle. You know I mean? There's, there's so many dichotomies that ultimately make a healthy man. And I think it's important to express that. And again, be able to calibrate with other people. Um, in terms of what that really looks like at the end of the day. But yeah, we're certainly going to have stories about girlfriends and nasty sex and violence and fights and war. And right. Cause we that's gonna, we're gonna reality. About, yeah. We're going to talk about anal. Like it's, it's yeah, gonna, absolutely. like it's, it, it's going to happen. It's topics like that are going to, are going to pop up and we're going to, we're going to dive straight into that and talk about it. And if you, if you find that distasteful, then just don't even bother subscribing. Yeah, Absolutely. And in that case, you might want to unsubscribe from life because guess what? That's coming. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about the whole, you know, ICOM concept and, you know, you've been talking about it for a really long time now and, and uh, I'm excited to see it take off and get, and get moving finally, man. I think it's going to yeah. be, I think it's going to be really yeah. good. And, you know, and that's the irony of social media to me is a lot of people use it as a, kind of a, a one-way street where they're, they're just, you know, producing content and not taking anything in. Um, they're kind of expressing themselves or a, an image of themselves. Uh, but, you know, the best thing about social media to me is the social aspect of it, is the community, is the people that you, you meet and talk to and, and understand their perspectives. And um, not only do we want to censor nobody at the end of the day, 
if you've got a shitty idea, then we should be able to talk about it, approach it logically, fairly, calmly, have a discussion about it. And if it's dumb, then we'll call you out and say it's dumb. But, you know, no idea in and of itself is something that we should be, you know, just automatically shutting down at the end of the day. We should be discussing these things because, you know, those, those are important aspects of life in general. And if we're all friends, we should have disagreements and we should be able to talk those things through at the end of the day. And that's, you know, going to be, if you're going to solve a difficult question, you're going to have a lot of competing, you know, ideas and concepts that you need to, to address and run through. Right. And it's also going to be like a, it's going to be like a help page for dudes yeah. struggle super hard with interacting with the female species. Absolutely. Cause it's, I mean, again, it's not, it's, these are not easy questions and, if you go looking for an answer, you typically you're going to get one that's either ineffective or really, really jaded. But again, if we, we approach these things from the healthiest perspective and a nuanced perspective, I think that we're, we're going to be able to provide a, a really good, healthy uh, perspective and service to a lot of people that are struggling at the end of the day, because life's not, it's not an easy thing to go through. And, and many times the hardest questions we answer really have no good answers, you know? So, right. Um, important to be able to address those in a place that you can trust with people that you can trust that have been there that have done that um, that aren't gonna you know try and blow smoke up your ass for their own benefit right now we have a we have a certain pedigree at a certain level of success yeah we want to make others better ultimately at the end of the day is what we we you know that's certainly a big goal of ours we might even have a couple of project cases right now. That we're we do have a project case. <laughs> we do have a project case or two right now where we're trying to help people uh, through adversity become their best selves. Yes. See their own value. Yeah. Get out there, have some experiences, uh, maybe even inoculate themselves to stress and adversity because uh, right. those are important things you know, ultimately at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, in my life, no... I never gained any clarity. Uh, I never gained any um, really substantial shift in my perspective unless I suffered for it. Correct. Yeah. You never, I don't know. I just never really got any good, you know, no, no epiphany really occurred for me in my life that didn't come uh, earned that I didn't have to like work really hard for or suffer for. So you got to un- unfortunately pass that lesson along, you know, like there you know, I don't remember who said it, but you know, the, the saying there's no free lunch, like is totally no. true. It's true in every, yeah. it's true in every fucking aspect of life. And like, you don't appreciate the things that you have and, uh, or the perspective or the clarity that you get or the maturity for that matter, unless you suffer for it. Yeah. And, you know, I was just having a conversation with, with a friend the other day about, you know, why the best lessons hurt. And it's because um, you, 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 it's much harder to forget pain at the end of the day. You know, so if it doesn't hurt, you're going to repeat that mistake an infinite number of times. If it hurts bad enough, you're going to do it once and, and figure it out. Right. Yeah. We used and to so have a saying, pain retains. Yeah, exactly. Which is why we used to smoke the shit out of our fucking privates. This is why I got the shit smoked out of me when I was in the military. You know, like I was in the Marine Corps. Like we got fucking physically annihilated when we fucked things up because, yep. you know, pain retains. Like if you get your balls smoked off for two hours for fucking something up on an inspection or on some type of detail, you didn't do it again. You know, right. you, didn't, you didn't make that mistake twice. 
And, and the reason why it's so stringent like that is because people, you know, that for that particular job field, and, you know, it's the same for firefighting, it's the same for law enforcement, it's the same for, you know, paramedics and other first responders. Like if you fuck up and have a bad day where you're not paying attention, people die. And right. so that lesson in a less, in a very, you know, much less extreme application can still yield really positive result, results for the everyday human. Oh, absolutely. For sure. You know, and especially with making decisions that have high consequences, I don't know of currently a better way to do it versus you know, making someone suffer so it sticks. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. A little public humiliation and a little suffering goes a long way. Yeah. Yep. Which is and why that, if you fuck up and shoot the drill wrong, you do burpees on Instagram. Correct. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. You know, or you get reviewed and then maybe rolled through the program a couple times. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You might have to like, you know, you might get recycled. You might get recycled a couple times before you get it right. But ultimately it is for your benefit. Hypothetically speaking, this is, you know, total just made up scenario here. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we, we are totally not talking about one of our test case subjects. No, definitely not. No. We would never do that on air. We have a strict policy against that is ultimately we yeah. Yep. Yep. Our HR director would not care for that. No. <laughs> Actually, she would probably encourage it. She'd be like, uh, why the fuck didn't you say that? that yeah. In that case. Yeah. That's probably, probably true. Yeah. I, I think we should take this opportunity and, and talk about one thing that I've uh, been itching to discuss with you on air, which is Mr. Bishop, Dr. Bishop, excuse me. Yes. Dr. Bishop. What is, what is the most traumatic sexual experience that you think you've ever had? Oh, the most traumatic sexual experience? Yeah. Oh, um. <laughs> oh man, you want to dive into a good one right out of the gate? Um, I think I think we should just set set the stage right now and be like, hey, this is what this is reality. This right. Is how okay. it works? Yeah. So there's been there's been two there's been two situations that have occurred. One was when I was really young. Um, I was like, oh fuck, how was 19? I was 19. I hadn't been in the Marine Corps that long. Yeah, I was in the Marine Corps for like, like I was in the fleet. Like I had gone through, I joined the Marine Corps when I was 18, went through boot camp, went through school of infantry, got put at my unit. Then we did some type of like at sea exercise where we had to go embark on ships and sail around off the coast of California. And we did that for a while. I think it was like a month long exercise. So we were on the ship for like a month long and didn't have lives. And like, we're just doing these beach assaults over and over and over again. And um, we finally came back and got some shore leave. Like we went back to camp, like we were done on ship and then we got some, you know, Liberty. And we went, we went, you know, like Benny, I was 19. And so I went crazy. And so we went to this club called Kokomo's and I met this girl and we were dancing and then one of my older buddies it was he was one of my fellow marines but he was older than me he could buy beers because i was only 19 so we go to this club it's in irvine it's called kokomo anyway we're dancing i meet this girl and i you know of course like it was amazing and she was super hot and i was like this is rad and so you know we meet but then like i got kicked out of the club because i got caught without a wristband drinking beer by one of the bouncers on the dance close to the dance floor because my buddy was slipping me beers the whole time 
he would like go and, you know, buy two beers and come back and like leave one on a, you know, on the little fucking handrail that goes around the dance floor. Anyway, so I get busted and I get kicked out, but like, I was having such a great time with this chick that she like comes outside, you know, and was like, Hey, I never got your name or your phone number or anything. So I give her my name. I give her my phone number and she's like, cool. Like I'll call you. And so then she called me like the next week and then next weekend. And she was like, Hey, you know, she lived up in Dana point and she's like, Hey, come, come visit me. And I was like, or, you know, come, come hang out with me. And the, you know, this is of course like pre, you know, like, right. This is like the birth of the internet. So like Netflix and chill <laughs> wasn't quite a thing yet. So right. anyway, I go over to her house and on the way over, like I met my buddy at the gas station and I had him buy me some alcohol to take to her house with me. Cause as you do, yeah, that's what you do. So I get, because I think she was, she was 21, but I was 19. So like I get, He's, he meets me out in San Clemente, buys, you know, a fucking like 12 pack of Lowenbrow for me. And Lowenbrow, I don't know, for those of you know, it's like, a, it was a fucking dark-ish beer. It was kind of like a Newcastle. Like it was a Scotch brown ale-ish type German beer. Yeah. And, uh, I Do they even her. make Lowenbrow anymore? I haven't seen Lowenbrow. No, they don't. I don't, I don't think they make it anymore. Um, Dude, that's, I, that's so 90s. It's got a fucking symbol. <laughs> I just dated myself. Anyway, so I showed up <laughs> I show up to this girl's house and uh, I'm so nervous that like, I just start pounding beers because I'm so fucking nervous. Cause this girl was like really, really attractive and like yeah. beautiful, tall brunette, amazing fake tits, you know, at 21, she'd already had fake tits. So that's how you can tell you're in Southern California and right. uh, that her mom and dad probably bought her, but I didn't care. Like no one's, <laughs> judging, no one's judging that. Uh, no. No, like if you need fake tits, go for it. Like I'm not, I'm a, I'm a fan. And so, you know, she, she was gorgeous. And so we, like, I remember just like being super shit faced and we started making out on the couch and then things started getting pretty steamy. And, you know, this is where things get a little blurry. Uh, but I went down on her and started, you know, giving her head and then I fucking got sick and fucking vomited all over her fucking pelvic area, like puked all over, like projectile vomited, like six or seven low and brows all over her fucking vagina. Like exorc- this, this might be exorc- out of line. Exorcist vomited seven low and brows on her pussy. This is how, this is how much faith I have in you. That happened, but I bet you still made her come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish, I wish that's how it went. She was actually horrified and disgusted as she should have been she was super pissed off at me That's uh, yeah. but you know being the good marine that i was i fucking didn't really give much of a fuck as she stormed off to her bedroom and like slammed the door and then i fucking passed out on her couch and <laughs> just sleep there until like i don't know i think one o'clock in the morning or no one one o'clock the next afternoon where she was like basically uh, poking me with a fucking mop handle because <laughs> there was no cleanup that got done like and the puke just yeah. like everywhere so it was like on me on the couch on her hardwood floor on her and so she stormed off and like I'm pretty sure went to her room showered off and then probably locked her door and got in bed because she thought I was a you know uh, <laughs> she thought as was, was a safety risk at that point mm. uh, and then 
I, she, you know, she's poking with this, you know, mop handle the next morning. And I woke up and I was like hung over, I was fucking hung over so bad for some reason. Low and brows did not agree with me. And so I woke up <laughs> for some reason. Gee. Yeah. And so like, I still had like puke on my shirt and on my pants. And like, she was like, you need to get the fuck up and get the fuck out of my house. And I was like, okay, no problem. And so I get up. And at that point I did what every Marine would do in that situation. I reached over and I grabbed my piss warm, still 12 leftover. Like I think I had five beers at that point. And I proceeded to walk out the door and crack one open and drink one on the way down her sidewalk and out to my car. And I drank a beer, still pretty drunk out to uh, out to the beach, out to San Clemente beach. And then which case I like stripped off my clothes. I finished, like I drank two more beers, I think, and stripped off my clothes and went and ran and jumped in the ocean and swam out in the ocean and then came back and I had a towel in my car at that point. I had a cool little fucking VW, like convertible diesel rabbit at that point, you know, in my, oh, yeah. in my Marine career as a fucking private first class. And I, I think, and so then I, I got my beach towel out. I toweled off. I put on, I think I had clean, I had an extra set of clothes in my car too, that I would keep in there for kind of occasions like this. Yeah. By by the way, side note, whether you're a construction worker or professional, extra set of clothes in the trunk of your car, you never know that could come in extraordinarily clutch. Yeah. Yeah. It comes in super handy. And so, yeah, I put on, I think, oh, I remember it was, I had my board shorts and my flip-flops in there. And so I put on my board shorts and flip-flops and then I went and ate a burrito at a little amazing like local establishment that we lovingly called hole in the wall that you had to speak Spanish to like order at because it was that fucking Mexican of a place and the burritos are world-class phenomenal. Yeah. And yeah. so ate a burrito and then, you know, hung out went back down the beach and hung out and sobered up a little bit and then drove back to the base. And that was probably the most, that was probably one of my most embarrassing moments. One of my most embarrassing like sexual escapades. Yeah. What about you? Let's hear yours. That's a great one. I don't know if I can match that one. I'll tell you a little bit of backstory. Uh, I lived a pretty wild life. Um, I've dated a a good number of strippers, which I I both recommend and we'll say it's overrated typically um and sex is let's and dangerous yeah forget the dangerous part as as you'll see yeah absolutely there's Um, nothing more dangerous than a pissed off coked out fucking stripper okay oh yeah yeah best sex i've ever had my entire life uh i was worried about getting stabbed and robbed the entire time it was (laughs) mind-blowing yeah yeah it's a thing it's a thing for sure yeah so this this uh this this chick we'll call her uh Brittany because that's her name and I don't give a fuck um <laughs> she was a stripper in uh, in Texas we dated for a while um just to give you like an example of her mental state one time while we were fucking she put a cigarette out on my arm uh, because she thought it was kinky uh, I did not yeah yeah, yeah you, probably, like, you probably didn't like that very much though did you yeah I mean like candle wax I get but that's a clear graduation in terms of the level of pain Right. Uh, anyway, so, you know, we, we had sex like fucking rabbits, you know, because as you do. And uh, voracious animals, wild animals. Voracious yeah. animals. Yeah. And then one one day she was like, hey, I want you to make love to me. And I was like, I can do that. I can do soft, slow and gentle. Whatever style you want, I can adapt. Right. <laughs> so we, we started on that. And um, I decide, you know, as a as a good man, because you got to take care of your lady and you got to make her come. 
several times if you want to repeat re- repeat customers as as we all do. Yeah, I mean, so this, I start- is gonna, this is going to probably go. This is probably going to segue into our male education component for men because I feel like there's, yeah. there's a lot of dudes out there that miss the bus on this. But anyway, Absolutely. I digress. Very continue, important. continue with your story. So I start kissing down her body, and I notice, uh, shall we say, uh, an odor. And uh, <laughs> at first, it was just kind of you know in the room, kind of wafting. So I was like, I'm not sure what that is, although it's extraordinarily foul. And then I, I get down to her her pussy and uh, it smelled like it smelled like a combination of, of fish and death. Right. And yeah. And I was like, something's not right here. Not a doctor, but uh, something is definitely not right. Yeah. And uh, I, I get like, you know, six inches away from it and I immediately pop back up and I'm like, babe, um, you're sick. <laughs> right. And uh, we discovered that she had uh, left the tampon in uh in her vagina for a good uh, eight days oh my fuck so i too one, i do i too have yeah. a story yes okay so yeah yep yeah yep. so luckily she didn't fucking die of toxic shock which yeah. is pretty common but the problem was once she figured that out her fingers were too short to get in there to get it out right so it ended up being my job to make the shall we say combat hot extraction of that tampon oh my fuck i forgot you and i talked about this and we have the yeah almost the similar story yeah 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 keep going so so yeah so we uh so i got it out um it was uh pretty much as disgusting as you possibly can can imagine a lot of a lot of variety of color there in addition to yeah the bouquet shall we say of different scents that were involved you know um man yeah how did you dig that out and pull it out and then not throw up on yourself? Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, I typically have a pretty strong stomach for stuff like that. Nothing really bothers me, but that was definitely pushing a line. And the, the thing about that sense is anyone that's experienced that man or woman, uh, that's a very distinct smell. And that's something like I can still kind of remember. <laughs> yeah. Kato's got the heebie jeebies over here. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, the real challenge is doing that and then looking at her the same way from that point forward, which it was a task. I'll tell you that much. It was, really uh, that was a rough one for sure. But yeah, uh, yeah that was pretty traumatizing for sure. <laughs> I, too, I forgot, dude, I had completely forgot that I had told you about my story regarding that. I forgot yeah. that we, were, we had a similar story. So I will, yeah, I'll go ahead and share mine too. I can't say this girl's name because... She may still be working for the company. I can't even, <laughs> what, I can't even see what company is. But anyway, people that know me really well will be able to fill in the blanks on this one. And my friends yeah. that with me on this team will know exactly who I'm talking about. And they will probably laugh hysterically about this. So <laughs> I was consulting for said company and it was directly after my divorce. And uh, because my ex-wife, who still continues to be a complete fucking cunt in my life and not... I mean, she just, it is what it is. You know, it's like, you can't be mad at a shark for being a shark and biting people. That's kind of the attitude that I've got towards her. But it was directly after my two-year drag through the mud divorce with her. And so I, I, this was like my first gig after that. And so I got this, this gig was like getting back on my feet. And it was like, it was an amazing company. It was one of the best companies that I've ever consulted and worked for. Um, One of my friends was the director over there. And so to welcome me to the team, he had a little bar- barbecue at his house and he invited people over. And so 
a very attractive girl from another part of the company, uh, from another department of the company showed up and she was, you know, her and I kind of like clicked and started talking and had this great conversation the whole time. And it was amazing. And, uh, you know, I was, I was definitely, I was into it. I was definitely like, oh, wow, this, she's attractive and she's awesome. And so, you know, she just continued to hang out and hang out and hang out and hang out and like, didn't leave. And like everybody else is leaving and she continued to stay and stay and <laughs> continue to hang out. And to the point where like, it's now like this friendly little, you know, backyard company barbecue had devolved into, you know, a, I think it was like 1am and my buddy that I was staying with, you know, was, you know, basically who had hired me, looks at me and he goes, all right, well, you kids have fun and I'm going to bed. And he, he saunters off to bed. And so then I'm like, you know, this is my first experience with the chick outside of, you know, my marriage. Right. And so I'm like a little bit skittish. I'm, you know, I'm definitely into it because this. I'm like, okay, this is rad, but I got to get back on the dating horse. Like, I, I got to figure this the fuck out. And so, right. Anyway, I go, you know, I, I go into the bathroom. I'm like, I got to piss because I did. I had to piss so, because we drank a lot. So I go, I go in the bathroom and I'm pissing, and then I'm washing my hands and I look at myself in the mirror and I'm doing the like, I'm doing the Pulp Fiction talk with myself where I'm like, okay, like, are you ready for this? I don't know if I'm ready for this. Well, I mean, that's good. Honestly, like I'm, I'm having this dialogue with myself in the mirror at my, right. buddy, at my buddy's place. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for this. And then I was like, no, you're fucking, what kind of pussy are you like fucking saddle the fuck up? This girl is fucking DTF down to fuck for you betas out there that don't know what that means. And <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, this is probably going to happen. And it's probably going to happen in a fucking super fucking aggressive way on the couch, on my buddy's couch. And he's got a really nice restoration hardware and I'm going to try not to get my DNA all over his couch. So anyway, it's all order. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm doing some deep breathing in there, just accepting my fate, my response, you know, my, I'm just accepting my fate at this point. Cause I'm like, I'm fucking 99.8% sure this is going to fucking go down. And sure enough, like I walk out of the fucking bathroom and she's waiting for me in the hallway and she fucking jumps on me like a fucking spider monkey and starts like slams me up against the wall, knocks a fucking picture off. Luckily it didn't break, but knocks a picture off the wall, starts sucking face with me. Then all hell breaks loose. And then sure enough, like there was fucking animalistic fucking sorority girl college sex on fucking my buddy's couch all over the fucking uh, and every variety that you can imagine all over my buddy's couch Love it. anyway i'm laying there we're finished and laying there and it was a great time had by all and she was like wow that was fucking great and she fucking throws her leg up on the back of the couch and just rips this fucking hellacious fart and then doesn't even miss a beat just like that was just like a normal fucking like thing to do and i was oh i was a lot of fucking mortified in that point because i was like what the fuck just happened and that kind of like set the stage for (laughs) the relationship that and i hate to even call it a relationship because it was very unconventional and strange and so oh really and yeah and it didn't (laughs) correct yeah yeah, I know. Big shock, right? <laughs> Big fucking shock. And so then it didn't even like go on for a really long time. And so anyway, I would 
I lived remotely. I lived and worked remotely from this company. So like I was in Wyoming, they're in a state next to Wyoming that I'm just going to still continue. Like I have to practice some offsec here because I don't want this girl. Right. Still, I think pretty, I'm pretty sure she still works at, at this company. And so I I'm dating, we're doing long distance dating stuff. And so like, she, she was just kind of, she just kind of became this weird odd duck and had these like nuances about her that I'd never experienced in a woman before. And so anyway, I do like, I'm, so I was going to this company like once a month and I was spending a week on site and I was staying at my buddy's house and like, we were doing, you know, working for a week and then I would work remotely the rest of the month, but I would do a, I would do a week on, on site at the HQ every fucking month. And so I go back and of course, like it got to the point where she, like, we got comfortable enough. She was like, well, come stay at my house. And so I'm like, okay, so I fly into town. She picks me up from the airport and takes me straight to her house on a Sunday. Cause you know, I didn't have to be in the office till Monday. We both didn't. And, uh, she picks me up from the airport. We go to this little bar that we love this little local bar where they served like these huge, like 20 ounce schooners of PBR that were amazing. And we proceed to get pretty fucking shit faced. And so then we like walk to her house. Cause it, like, this is small, small mountain town. So like the, we, you know, we're, we were just like a couple blocks away from her house, from the bar. So we go, we walk to her house and um, we proceed to engage in like drunken, I hate to say the word violent because there was no, there was no violence that happened, but aggressive, super, super aggressive sex, you know, like there was definitely hair pulling and like furniture getting fucking jostled around and like getting slammed into walls and things like that. You know, the shit that girls like, that most dudes don't do anymore because either either fucking lazy as shit or they're just betas that don't know how to fucking pull a woman's hair and smack her ass in the perfect way that she likes and maybe break some furniture in the process. So anyway, this sex occurs. It's dark in the room and I can't fucking tell what's going on. So, uh, you know, we have amazing sex. I wake up in the morning and it looked like fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the fucking <laughs> Like it looked like fucking we murdered a fucking, like we sacrificed a rabbit to Satan in the fucking bed. And I like, I, 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 I'm like trying to get my wits about me. Cause I was fairly drunk when this all occurred and it was dark in the room yeah. and see what was going on. And um, she was on her period and I just proceeded to fucking wreck her shit while she was on her period and didn't like, she, like, it was everywhere. And so I woke up with like, you know, serial killers. Like it looked like a crime scene. Like there should have been yellow tape around the fucking bed when I got up in the morning. So I get up and I get up and I go to the bathroom and shower off. And she, of course, like comes in after me and jump, you know, she's all foggy eyed still too. So we, we hurry up, we shower, we grab a quick bite, grab some coffee. We get to the office, you know, we get to the office on time and I'm in the office working and it's fucking noon. And so one of our kind of rules about while we were dating each other is we didn't interact at work. Like while we were at work, we just like, because we didn't want people talking about us or spreading rumors or, you know, any type of like workplace weirdness or misconduct, we just like kept that fucking completely separated. And so we didn't talk about any of that shit. We didn't interact with each other at work at all. We didn't have lunches with each other. We didn't fucking hold hands and skip out of the front of the headquarters or anything like that. It was pretty, pretty fucking compartmentalized, which I, we both thought was smart. And so, but in the good policy, it's professional. Yeah. It's, it was great. Yeah. It's professional. So like at the, 
on lunch on this particular day, like I'm looking at my watch and my buddy, you know, who I almost fucked up and said his name. <laughs> he's a good, he's a good dude. Kato he, edited it out. We're good. He, he looks at me and is like, oh, we should, we should go get a sandwich, bro. Cause there was a sandwich and coffee shop right next door and it, to the company headquarters. And it was really great. And so we get ready to get up to go. And here comes said chick into the office. And I just like, I know that something is massively fucked one because of her body language and the look on her face, but two, because she's even in my fucking office, I know something is fucked. And I'm like, Oh dear, sweet baby Jesus. And so I'm, so I'm, I start going through all of the fucking things in my head about like what could possibly be fucked up. And I'm, I'm like, I'm on it. I'm like, I, was, I was a little worried. I was a little scared. And I, I'm like, Oh fuck. And she was like, then like she transitions into like, perfectly polite because she's interfacing with the other employees in the company in my office. And she's like, Hey, so yeah, I just had some questions with Brian for Brian. Like we had, you know, I just need to get his design input on a couple of things that I'm working on that I think will be very helpful and beneficial to some stuff that we're working on in the commercial development side of the house. So can I just, is he around? Can I talk to him? And so my buddy was like, almost fucked up and said his name again, looks over <laughs> It comes around the corner and comes into the conference room where I'm like pretending like I'm not seeing any of this shit with like the blinds were like bladed so I could see what was happening but like was ignoring it and pretended like I was like on my laptop and he comes in and he's like he's like hey man like so-and-so's here to see you and I was like oh he's like she's got some design questions and I'm like oh perfect and so I step out and she looks at me and she's like yeah can we go up to my office for a second and I was like yeah and it was one of those things where I fucking step out of the office and she grabs me by the wrist, which I'm like, she never fucking did this ever, ever, ever. And we didn't do this kind of shit at the office. She grabs me by the wrist and she pulls me into the fucking, the, the dude's bathroom, the dude's bathroom. But luckily it was like a single serve bathroom. It wasn't like, you know, like where the swinging door where like you has like 16 urinals on the wall and some shit right. and everybody can just come and go. Like it was, it was a single serve to where you could like go in and like lock the door behind you, but it was the dude's bathroom. So she fucking pulls me in there, slams the door, locks it. And she looks at me and she's like, I forgot to take my tampon out last night. And I was like, <laughs> fucking a, you did. You forgot to tell me that you were even on your period. And it looked like we killed somebody this morning. <laughs> And she was like, yeah, well, guess what? My fucking tampon is somewhere lost in space and you need to get it the fuck out of me because I don't want toxic shock syndrome. And so right. I'm like, oh, Jesus, goddamn!" And I was like, I didn't even know what that was. I was like, what are you talking about right now? And she's like, if that stays lost in there, I will fucking get sepsis and fucking get blood, a blood infection and fucking die. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is a <laughs> problem you know, yeah. stupid dude. I was like, fucking, I had no clue what the fuck I was. I was like 30 years old. I had no clue what any of this shit was. I was like, okay. 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 So she fucking drops fucking trowel and gets like, she, and she had on these like sexy tight jeans and these like knee high boots. Cause it's winter time. You know, she was dressed in the fucking quintessential, like mountain Han Solo fucking attire that girls wear <laughs> with like little puff vests and their sweaters and you know, all the hot shit that we love but we call it yeah. solo season. She was dressed like that. So she fucking takes her, she kicks her boots off and even takes her socks off. And I'm like, why the fuck are you taking your socks off? And she's like, <laughs> I don't want fucking blood all over my fucking socks, asshole. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so she takes all of her shit off. She's like completely naked from the waist down. This is in the company bathroom. 
And then I was like, I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do. And she, she like takes my wrist and like literally jams my fucking hand into her pussy. And she's like, fucking find it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my fuck. And so I'm standing there, but I couldn't get a good angle standing up. So I literally had to like get down on my knees. Like I'm proposing to this bitch and shove my fingers all the fucking way in there and dig the fuck around. And meanwhile, she's still on her period. So like blood is now coursing down my fucking hands on my wrist, dripping all over the fucking floor. And we're fucking, we're like doing crime scene shit at fucking at at the office now. And I'm like, oh God, like we're going to get fucking, I'm like, I'm going to get fired. This is (laughs) how you get fired. And so I'm like almost wrist deep in her. And I finally fucking find the string up there somewhere and I fucking pull it out. And here's this fucking smashed, completely saturated, dead fucking mouse of a tampon (laughs) that of course did not smell fucking great. It probably wasn't like as bad as yours, but it did make me dry heave a little bit. Not going to lie. And then I had to fucking, I I was going to fucking drop it in the fucking toilet. And she was like, no, it'll fucking clog the plumbing. And so like, she gets like, she rips a bunch of towels out of the fucking paper towel dispenser. And then she fucking gets the tampon and wads it up. And then she sets it on the counter. She washes her hands. She fucking then washes her fucking, she gets the fucking, uh, uh, she was very efficient at this. She gets the fucking paper towels out of the paper towel dispenser and then like wets them down and like wipes all the blood off of her thighs and knees that has like dripped down from me, like being wrist deep in her fucking pussy. She does all of this stuff. Then she like puts it, she uh, was very efficient with the cleanup and like gets it all cleaned up speed. Re- she like sits down on the toilet, takes a piss, speed reloads a, tam- a new tampon, puts her fucking pants and boots back on. Meanwhile, there's blood all over the fucking floor. And she looks at me and she goes, you fucking clean it up and fucking takes off. And I'm it's like a different breed of woman right here, my friend. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there and there's like, there's fucking dead body fucking DNA all over the place. There's fucking blood everywhere on the floor. There's blood still run. I stood there and just watched in horror and blood had ran down to my elbow. So I'm standing there with my hand up in the air, like holding it away from my body so that the shit doesn't drip on my fucking clothes. And I'm staring around looking at like this fucking horrific fucking scene of like period blood everywhere in the fucking company bathroom. And I'm like, the fucking scene from fucking Pulp Fiction pops into my mind where fucking, you know, Jules is on the phone with a fucking Vin Rames character. I can't remember his name, but he's like, motherfucker, chill out. I'm sending the wolf up in there. Wolf's going to come in wolf. And I'm like, I need Harvey Keitel in here right now to fucking sterilize and clean this shit up because I I need a wolf man here right now, because it literally looks like I fucking murdered a human being in the fucking company bathroom. And so I had to very cleverly, luckily I had a pin in my pocket. So I fucking rip a paper towel down and I fucking write out of order on the paper towel and I fucking wash my hands real quick. I'm rinsing my hands off. And then I fucking put the paper towel in the fucking, I close it in the bathroom door so that it's like sticking out of the bathroom door, but it says out of order. I run like 10 feet over to my office. I poke my head in and I like tell my buddy, I'm like, Hey man, I need like 10 minutes, 10 more minutes. And then we can go to lunch. And then I panic run to the fucking downstairs where the janitor closet is. And I fucking grab a mop bucket and like spray bottles and throw them in the mop bucket real quick and fucking run back up the stairs. And luckily our office was like in the front of the headquarters building. 
where not too many people came down to the, to where our office was like customers would walk through there every once in a while to come in. But like we, most people were like in the back of the building, all the other departments of the office were like in the back of the building. So like, I didn't have to worry about anybody like walking up and being like, what the fuck's going on? And like going in the bathroom, (laughs) luckily. So then I get in there and I'm like in full on, like clean the bathroom mode. So I fucking spray everything down real quick, wipe everything down. I grabbed an extra trash bag while I was like two. Oh no, I grabbed two trash bags while I was down there and I fucking had a fresh one and I put all of the fucking, you know, the tampon wrapped in the paper towels that she left on the counter. I sprayed the counter down, wiped all the blood off the counter, wiped the blood off the sink, wiped the blood off the floor, put all of the fucking blood paper towels in the garbage bag, mop the fucking floor real fast. And then fucking step back, check everything's good. And then I'm such a fucking dumbass that like, I forgot, I, I still had like, I had dried blood at this point, like still like running down my forearm and elbow. And so I'm like, fuck. So I had to like start over again with the countertop and like completely like wash with soap and water my arm off and then redo the countertop. And then finally got the place cleaned and then fucking got everything thrown down in the fucking basement, uh, the down or back down in the janitor closet with, and then I had the trash bag with all the fucking bloody shit in it. And Luckily, I just like my buddy didn't notice. I fucking poked my head back in the office door. I'm like, oh hey man, like I'm I'm ready to go to lunch now. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And so I sling this fucking trash bag over my shoulder and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, it's just some trash from so-and-so's office. She wanted me to, she asked me if I'd take it out for her. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And didn't even like question me about it. Just thought <laughs> I'd be a nice dude. And we walk out the door and I throw it in the trash dumpster of the restaurant sandwich place that was next door and then we walk inside and ordered lunch and still to this day nobody has any clue that any of that fucking occurred now i'm sure my friends that listen to the podcast that worked with me at that company are going to be fucking howling when they hear this story because they're going to know exactly a when this happened and b who this person was and they're going to look back on this and i'm sure i'm gonna get some phone calls and people are gonna be like dude are you fucking kidding me and i'm gonna be like no that act that was a real thing that happened so Yes, that fucking legend, dude. That also has also happened to me for for so many reasons. If I were to wake up in a strange hotel room with a dead hooker, you would be my first call, and that just <laughs> this story just reinforces. Oh yeah, I would be your wolf. your forensic cleanup skills yeah. are chef's kiss. That's that's a fucking impressive, man. Dude, I'm telling you what, I've never panicked so hard in my fucking entire life. Like I thought. I definitely thought I was going to get fired. I definitely thought like, and I was like, man, this is your first gig, dude. Like you're fucking this up so bad. Like you're, first of all, you're banging a chick that like works here with you. Then you're, you know, now you've got fucking forensic fucking DNA all over the fucking company bathroom. You've got blood running down your elbow right now. Like if anybody walks in right now, you are so fucking fucked. And I didn't, I pulled it off. Not only, yeah. not only did I not get caught a with the relationship that I had going on with her, like nobody ever found out about it. You know, well, the only person that knew that shit was going on, obviously was my, my, my best friend, one of my best friends who I right. fucked her on his couch, but, and he knew about that. But other than that, nobody ever fucking, there was people that had like, they had, you know, suspicion, but nobody had any, every ever had any evidence because we were just like super, spies like that's what i appreciated about that girl she was a kook she was a total fucking kook um and that 
fun little relationship only lasted, I think for like two or three months out of the three years that I worked there. But, uh, yeah. She, what I really appreciate about her was her discreetness. She was very fucking professional and very discreet. So at least, important. at least at work in the bedroom, she was a fucking absolute savage, like did not. Yeah. She, there was no, there was no boundaries in the bedroom, so to speak, which, yeah. Rad. Which I mean, you can imagine from a girl that's like fucking, got, I'm wrist deep in her at work in the work bathroom. And then she's like, you clean this up and bails, which, I, yeah. Looking back on that now, I kind of laugh that that's how she was, but. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting bird right there, man. And so, sure. I would, so I would say that this is probably what, this is a prelude to what ICOM is going to. Yeah, in, it's going to be a lot of this. Parts and pieces of ICOM are going to be is our, our stories, our, our, our exploits in the, uh, in the realm of, of dating and relationships and sexual conquest. Yeah, and don't worry, we're going to get some girls on here that are going to have equally, if not, more horrific stories than, than even oh, ours. I, yeah, yeah. I can I, already think of a couple that we know of. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. For I sure. A couple too that have amazing, uh, they've told me some amazing stories. So like, yes. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to say uh, waterboarded with Jew scrotum and I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, just as a, yes. <laughs> God, our fucking HR director is going to hate you. Um, <laughs> We're just going to leave it at that. We don't, have, we're not going to name names. I'm just going to okay. say, uh, it might've happened. I don't know. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. That allegedly happened. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and uh, just as a, a pro tip, because I've seen a lot of people get fired for holding relationships at work. Uh, discretion is number one if you are going to dip your pen in a company ink. Right. Yes. And you, you did that and also apparently spilled the ink all over the men's bathroom. So <laughs> I have done that on occasion. And yeah, it didn't, it didn't turn out so well, but we can talk yeah. about that on another time. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this was a great, I would say this is a great, this is a great, this was a great uh, introduction to all things ICOM. So yeah. I'm awesome. excited. I know you like your, speaking of discreet, I know you want to remain discreet. Do you want to at this point share any of your social tags besides ICOM or do you want to keep those secure for right now? And we will call it a day. Yeah, let's keep it uh, keep it secure for right now, and then uh, we'll see how this develops. I'm sure people will probably figure it out eventually. So we'll we'll see. We'll make it kind of a fun game and see what they <laughs> how much they can gather from this. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you very much for your time, Doctor. Bye. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Doc. Coming on the podcast, and we will uh, see. Do you want to steer people towards the I- ICOM account or no? Yeah, man. International Council of Men. All uh, one word spelled out on Instagram. Um, come join us. We definitely want to have your opinion. It is a community. It is certainly uh, not a, a one-way street by any means. So come come join the discussion, please. Yeah. Come come join us on ICOM. You are so, safe there right. being a man. You are. It's a safe space for men. So safe space that said, men. we will go ahead and wrap things up. Thank you so much for joining us and for your time. And I look forward to our next session of this because this is probably going to become a regular thing yeah uh, until then i will bid you a good evening all right appreciate you thanks for having me on man all right we'll check you later man peace That wrapped it up. Welcome to the first podcast of 2022. We are on the roll. 
We will have, so there will be no Weapons Free Wednesday this week. We will have one for you next week. And then we will have a guest the third week. And then we'll have a Weapons Free Wednesday the fourth week. So we will, we're going to, to keep our schedule light and flexible because we've got a lot of things going on with SHOT Show prep and everything that's going on with other facets of our lives. Kato and I are going to keep things a little bit more streamlined, a little less content this month, but we will... We're going we're gonna to actually sit down and see what our workload's look, looking like going into first quarter of 22 with all of our other development stuff. And if we have bandwidth, we will continue on with the way things are. If we do not and we are comfortable with the way January worked out, then that may be the new template where we will alternate back and forth between guests and Weapons Free Wednesday. That way we're not crushing ourselves under constant deadlines with the notorious content monster that is always ravenous and hungry. So we will... Keep you guys surprised of that when we get there. So I will let you guys go. Enjoy your week, and we will see you next week for Weapons for Wednesday. Peace.